Last week, we heard Jesus calling the 72 and sending them two by two out to begin and to, be, to do their missionary work. And today, we hear at the end of our gospel reading, to go and do likewise. But what is subtle about the way the gospel is written today is Jesus is teaching his disciples and teaching the lawyer the, the scholar of the law, what to do. But in some sense, he's not teaching them what to do. He's talking about himself and showing everyone how we should do it. So today, let us look at the gospel reading into two lights. First and foremost, what does, what does it say about Jesus? And secondly, how does Jesus model what it means to be a missionary disciple? And to really be able to understand and to dive into that reading, we must have some background knowledge of the setting of the situation before we can really be able to enter into it. We hear that there's a man going from Jerusalem to Jericho. If you haven't been to the Holy Land, and haven't looked at the place geographically, you know that Jerusalem is actually sitting on a high point, a hill, or some could even say a mountain, really. And Jericho, on the other hand, is sitting in the valley, and the elevation is as equal to that of the Dead Sea. So it's really the lowest point in that area. And Jericho is then surrounded by the mountains. But what is interesting about Jericho is the city was a center point for history, for culture, and for, for merchants. Because it connected them up north, they were able to cross in from the east to enter into the trade routes, and which led into the west. And it sat on the river well enough where they can get ships and merchants up in the, the rivers. And so in doing so, when we talk about a high point, a city in the, in the mountains, if we go back to our study of scripture, we know that the mountain was a place of encounter, the encounter of the divine. And which is interesting because the word Jerusalem means the city, the holy city of peace. And therefore coming down from the holy city of peace to Jericho into the valley, which was a symbolism of sin and destruction. So therefore, when you go from Jerusalem to Jericho, the analogy and the understanding was you're going from the city of God coming down to a state of sin. From that of holiness and perfection to that of a fallen nature, of weakness, of unworthiness. And so when a man is going from Jerusalem to Jericho, he's going from a place of peace to sin, reminding us of our own frailty, our own fall from where we were meant to be in the garden, of the garden to now where we're fallen, broken due to original sin. Because sin therefore strips us of our values. We hear that there was the man beaten, robbed, and taken all of his clothes. Sin therefore doesn't do that physically to us, but it robs us of our worth our value, our dignity, and the ability to enter into an authentic relationship with God and to be loved by God. 
And so we hear in our gospel reading, the priests and Levi saw the man being robbed on the side of the road and ignored him. There's a very interesting subtlety because when you hear that, and a lot of the scripture scholars will tell you that it's because they didn't want to get involved. But when you look at the geographic location and the challenges, it's this. When you touch someone who's been robbed, impure, those who have touched him, involved with them, have to then go back to Jerusalem to get purified. The route from Jericho to Jerusalem is 25 miles. And so you have to walk back to Jerusalem to get purified again after you've already made that 25-mile hike to Jerusalem to make your sacrifices. And here, on the other hand, is the elevation and the geographic challenge. Because when you go to Jerusalem, most people would bring their animals, bring what they need to sacrifice, to make a sacrifice, to Jerusalem. But the challenge and struggle walking 25 miles in the heat, just like we were sitting today, would be miserable, would be difficult. And therefore, it would be easier for those coming from Jericho to just bring ample amount of money so that when they arrive in Jerusalem, they can just purchase their sacrifice. And as they journey to Jerusalem, there's two routes. They can climb up all the way up to the mountain ridges and walk on the mountain ridges to Jerusalem. But imagine yourself walking outside in this kind of weather for 25 miles straight with the beating sun on you. It was miserable. And so the only way to do it is then walk in the crevices through the mountains, which the mountains would give and cast a shadow to help keep you cool. But what ends up being is then you get stopped. You have situations like what we hear in our gospel and you get robbed because they know you're bringing money to exchange for your goods. And so therefore for the priests and Levi, they didn't want to go and touch and to help that man because that would mean they would have to track back that 25 miles to Jerusalem again to get cleansed. For someone who's gone there with all their money and all they needed to make their sacrifices, to come back again and to have that money to be cleansed again is difficult. And so when they walked by, they kind of ignored him. But it also gives a symbolism to the liturgy and to the law. Because we just act sometimes, just go through the motions. And that's all we ever really want to do and hold true. But we forget what we're truly called to do. To take the time, to take the pause, to see those in need. But instead of the priest and the Levi, it took a Samaritan person. And for a Samaritan person, they were seen as half-breeds, outsiders, Jews who were intermarried with the Assyrian invaders. And that image is that of Jesus, an outcast by society, someone who's not welcomed, appreciated, someone who's not even welcomed in his hometown, comes to the aid of the person in need. And so he does this. He sees them and he says, I have compassion with love. 
He sees that person with love and is moved by love to come and to help him, to aid him in his need. And what is interesting is how Jesus comes to the aid. He comes to the aid of our fallenness, our brokenness as sinners. He comes to the man and pours out blood and perfume to help treat him. He gives it his all for the person he loves. He doesn't count the cost. He doesn't ask who this man is. He doesn't ask for money. But he gives the man and pours out his love for that man. And it never stops. He takes them, therefore, into the innkeeper and gives them two pieces of silver, which is more than day's wages, more than months of wages. It's years of wages to care for a man unknown to him, who's unimportant to him, who he's just seen on the side of the road, and to care for them. And instead of just saying, yeah, take the two pieces of silver, take care of him, and I'm done. But he says, I will come back. The love never ends when he's cared for. The love continues to be poured out, to be overflowed. Because he's coming back to make sure that everything that he needs, everything that that person needs is taken care of and met. He's given the best treatment. He's given the best care. No cost is counted for. No amount of money is needed. But he's making sure that that person in front of him is cared for. And so guy, Christ represented is redeeming us from our sinfulness, buying back what we couldn't, showing us how to live and what it means to love by his own example, and especially his example on the cross without counting any cost. So therefore, in our gospel reading today, my dear brothers and sisters, Jesus is a loving God. That's what we learn. He comes down from heaven, from on high, from Jerusalem, the city of peace, to redeem us, to buy us back from our sins, and to return our worth, our dignity, and our love, and not to count us just for the liturgy and for the law, coming every, every time to purify, to make sacrifices. That's not just all of it. But he calls us and wants us to be in an authentic, intimate relationship with him so that he can pour out his love and grace for all of us through the sacraments, through the liturgies. We come to the sacrament of reconciliation. He outpours his grace, his love for us. We come to the mass. He pours out his love and shows us by his body, blood, soul, and divinity that we come to receive his love for us. So then what is our call, my dear brothers and sisters, as missionary disciples, as followers of Jesus Christ? We're called to sent, be sent out and to help restore the dignity, the worth, the love of others in our world today. We're not seeing men being beaten off the side of the road, but we see a homeless man who sometimes we turn a blind eye to, who has a name, who has a story, who has a reason for why he's there, but how many of us have the time or even want to give our time to know who he is, 
to know his story, and to help him where he's at. We have so many people sitting in retirement facilities who are just a name and number, who doesn't have any dignity, worth, or value by society. They're put into a house, a place to just rot, to die, to complete the final stages of their life, who want love, who want to be loved, who want their dignity be, to be restored, who want to be known by name, who have a story and history to that. But they're sitting there alone by themselves. We have those who are struggling to live out our ideals, live out the values. Even our kids are struggling to feel like they have a sense of belonging, a community, a family. But what are we doing? We're just turning a blind eye to those in need. They're not worth anything. They're not in need. They don't need anything. They don't have any value to me. My dear brothers and sisters, we're called, each and every one of us, to bring back, to help restore the dignity, the value, the worth, the love of each and every individual as we go out into the world. There's a lot of people in need of that restoration. A lot of people who just need a companion to be sitting with to show them that they are loved, wanted, and needed. But are we, you and I, are we willing to do it? Are we willing to follow in the steps of Jesus Christ today and risk it all for not anyone, for everyone to live out that life every day without counting the cost, without worrying that I'm spending so much money on this person, without counting the cost, I'm spending too much time here, but showing them the love that they deserve, the love that we've received undeservedly from our Lord Jesus Christ, the grace that we've received at every Mass, every reconciliation, and every sacrament that has been bestowed on us. We have value and worth and love because God has shown it to us. And we are called, therefore, to model it today and to bring that to the world. So the question for us to begin to look at and to ask ourselves again and again, are we willing to follow after the footsteps of Jesus Christ? Or are we constantly going to be living in fear? Amen.